Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. On today's show, we're talking about what's happening in the world of energy. There's so many moving parts right now, it's hard to make sense of what's happening to energy prices, and oil prices in particular. A new round of oil sanctions are being levied against Russia, effective this week. The sanctions would limit the insurance coverage on the cargoes carrying Russian oil. Several countries have stated they will not allow oil tankers to flow through their waters for cargoes that are not insured. That includes ships crossing through the Bosphorus from the Black Sea. Oh, and cargoes that are insured by Russia don't count as being actually insured. The average age of oil tankers plying the seas right now is 24 years of age. That's significantly older than the average age of ships only five years ago. The shipbuilding industry has been a dying industry, and the number of ships being built is not keeping pace with the age of ships that ultimately will need to retire from active service. New environmental standards are imposing additional requirements on ships that navigate the high seas, including low-sulfur bunker oil. The number of single-walled ships is declining, but there are still a number of these older oil tankers in service. As Russia finds itself increasingly isolated, we can expect them to turn to this fleet of older and smaller ships. The oil tankers currently in service are having to now make longer trips than at this time last year as a result of the war in the Ukraine. Global supply chains have been disrupted, and that means each oil tanker has to go further for longer to deliver its cargo to the destination. That's the equivalent of reducing the global oil tanker fleet capacity. Today, over 90% of the world's ships are manufactured in three countries, China, Japan, and South Korea. We can expect that eventually global oil tanker fleet capacity will reduce as a result of this consolidation of manufacturing in just those three countries. Well, if there are sanctions against Russian oil, where is that oil going to be sold and what's going to happen to it? We often hear about laundering of money, perhaps in the illegal drug trade. But what about laundering of oil? If Turkey, for example, was to buy crude oil from Russia, refine that oil into finished products, and then resell those finished products to European countries, well, that oil is no longer Russian oil in terms of origin. European countries can buy those distillates from Turkey without the risk of international scrutiny about the origin of the oil. The oil has been completely laundered. We have the world going into economic slowdown. Traditionally, a recession means a drop in demand for oil, and the signs of economic slowdown are visible in many parts of the world, including Europe and Asia. And it's those signs of economic slowdown that are partially responsible for the current falling oil price futures. In many cases, we've seen spot prices lower than the futures price. These market conditions are called contango, and theoretically, they should encourage inventory building. But putting oil into storage costs money. There are storage fees and transportation fees associated with storing of oil. The price differential right now is still too small to truly encourage the inventory building. We have inventories at near all-time lows. The Strategic Petroleum Reserve has also been depleted to the lowest level since its creation and initial build in the 1970s. The G7 countries are trying to impose a maximum price cap on Russian oil. But in truth, there is no practical way to enforce this. A price cap is merely a symbolic gesture designed to make the population think the government's doing something to combat Russian aggression. The sale of arms to the Ukraine is a much more realistic counter to the Russian aggression. The other major variable is in China. China is currently consuming about 2 million barrels a day less than the peak before the COVID-19 pandemic. The zero-COVID policy has kept major parts of the Chinese economy shut down. 
And when China finally emerges from zero COVID, you can expect demand for oil to increase. And it's not clear where the additional 2 million barrels a day of oil will come from. We have global economic slowdown happening at the same time that China might be emerging from zero COVID. Will one offset the other? It's too soon to say. We have the UK and the US governments threatening oil companies with a windfall profit tax. Basically, these governments have failed to establish the linkage between energy and economic activity. It's as if they're treating them as separate. The oil companies are not going to make those major investments to continue the flow of oil, when the incentive for them to do so is constantly under attack. Oil companies, just like any other company, answer to their shareholders. They're not in the business of providing a social service. The most recent spike in oil prices has been blamed on the war in the Ukraine, but in truth, the shortage of oil is the result of a decade of underinvestment in oil. We often hear talk about the United States being energy independent. Well, I'm here to tell you that statement is patently not true. The U.S. light sweet crude oil needs to be mixed with heavier oil from Saudi Arabia or Canada or Russia in order to produce the breadth of products needed to operate in a refinery. The shale oil revolution, which is that light sweet crude, relies upon the fracturing of rock in order to allow the oil trapped in the rock to flow. The oil closest to the well flows the fastest, and that oil gets depleted quickly. Then, oil that's further away from the well trickles its way at a much slower rate it flows back to the well. You see typically an 85% reduction in flow in a brand new well that is less than a year old, and that well might continue to produce for another 25 years. But in order to replace that decline in production, the oil company needs to drill another well, usually within the first three to four months, in order to keep production constant. That requires investment, an investment that will return in a number of years. But the time to break even depends on a fluctuating market price that's been shown to swing by 100% or more in a single year. Will oil prices continue to fall this year? I predict that they will. I don't believe they will remain below $50 a barrel for very long. OPEC succeeded in killing the shale market back in 2014 when they boosted production and crashed the price for shale oil, making it economically unfeasible. The lenders who took a bath on that and the thousands of oil companies that went bankrupt still have that fresh in their memory. The global energy sector on a fine balance between demand and supply, and if it ever gets out of balance even for a short time, the result is a wild swing in prices both up and down. We have 85% of global energy consumption coming from the burning of some kind of carbon-based fuel. And it's going to take a long time to replace all of that carbon-based fuel burning with something more ecologically friendly. In the meantime, we can expect drastically higher prices for energy in the medium term. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.